Passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in education. That's what the Pixel Classroom Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, business and technology teacher. And you can listen to the Pixel Classroom Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and of course, Overcast. You can even copy the RSS feed right to your computer for easy listening. And if you like what you hear, please think of subscribing to the podcast and please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to episode 24 for April 2020. I hope everyone is staying healthy and positive despite what is going on in the world today. And today on the Pixel Classroom Podcast, we have an awesome guest today. She is an educator, an author, a former write-in candidate for the 27th State Representative of Illinois. Once upon a time, we were also classmates, which is amazing that she decided to volunteer for this since I know she had a goal through me as a co-student here. And now she is a superstar advocate and leading organization that is associated with ISTE. I would like to welcome my friend, Dr. Marlo Bennett to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Hello, Marlo. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Not too bad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad it's uh, almost 55 degrees outside after our freak little mini snowstorm that melted by dinner I last know. night. I know. Wasn't this week crazy? With yeah. I mean, we had a whole nice, and this was funny, I had this whole nice week uh, last week, you know, when this, this is recorded on April 18th, everybody, for those listening. And all of a sudden, you know, I had this, we had this wonderful week, nice weather outside, heat was off, windows were open, we were pretty good despite, you know, social distancing and everything. And then out of nowhere, it drops to the 30s and 40s. I pulled back out the winter coat. And then, of course, it snowed yesterday. Oh, yeah. Twice this oh, week. It's that, that actually is very true, Marlo. Marlo and here and I both live in Illinois. So it's like <laughs> it just snowed <laughs> twice. And I had just finished gardening and set up all my stuff because, you know, I have time on my hands right now. So I did all wow. my yard work way, way ahead of schedule. And then I'm like, okay, let's not freeze my nice seeds in that. I know. <laughs> but it's, it's nice outside today so yes it is and actually like i said when i go take willow out here that's the dog if anybody's wondering listening to here it'll be a good time <laughs> to do it so first of all marlo thank you for being here today why don't you give us a little background on yourself yeah well uh thanks once again ryan um you know uh as you mentioned uh earlier uh me and you kind of go back uh we were classmates you know from uh niu and um i want to first say congratulations because i read somewhere that you had passed your dissertation yes including a formatting issue which ran me another editor and more money out the pocket to get that done but then i got an email three days later saying yep you're all good everything's finished i was like yay i'm officially none hopefully yes. i know and then of course graduations out in august due to the pandemic so you know but at the same time i'm like yay <laughs> well congratulations so i um actually graduated in 2017 um, show off <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, you know, um, sometimes it takes a little longer, you know, um, so, um, so I have a PhD from uh, NIU, and I also have a master's degree from um, NIU, their uh, cohort program that I was in first, and um, outside of uh, my degrees um, in uh, education and technology, I am the vice president for uh, Chicago uh, CSTA and also the vice president for CS for IL. And um, oh, and then I am just so busy. So I am also <laughs> doing the uh, AI for K-12. And I think some members from um, some of these organizations, some of the members cross you know, the organizations. And I think um, some members from ISTE is on that team as well. So um, 
Yeah, so besides doing all of that type of work, um, I'm also, uh, yeah, I was running for, was a write-in candidate um, for state representative, and um, I lost, you know, as the write-in candidate. And um, so um, now I'm still focusing on um, advocating for uh, one-to-one technology and trying to close that digital divide. You know, that was kind of my main focus, um, has always kind of been my main focus as I was uh, pursuing my uh, degree in higher education and um, education technology. Um, And so I am a uh, teacher in uh, public school system here in Chicago and, um, you know, still trying to um, engage uh, teachers, learners, everyone about in the importance of closing the digital divide. And that's actually a good, brings up right to our first uh, question, Marla, because, you know, mm-hmm. we are living in unprecedented time. I mean, for those who are listening, Illinois yesterday was the 28th state. Now there's three more have since come into this, since this was recorded, mm-hmm. uh, that the schools were going to remain closed for the rest of yep. 2019, 2020 yep. school year. And we're, you know, you and I are very, very strong in instructional technology for education. I know we'll talk about the digital divide probably a little later, which has also been a huge topic. I know for yeah. Illinois, it was hugely brought up yesterday during the governor's speech. Yeah. What do you think of everything that has happened since a remote learning started, which was pretty much the 15th of March, since Friday the 13th is when we all kind of went into the all remote learning went, yeah. situation. Yeah, so I, you know, um, again, we, I knew it was coming, um, and I knew that uh, where the biggest problems and issues were going to be, um, Chicago being the third largest district in the nation, you know, uh, they service almost 400,000 students, and so um, my years of being a teacher and an educator throughout the years, I know that um, the, the students that I service uh, they don't have the necessary tools and devices and, and things like that or whatever. So I knew that when they said that they were going to close doors and they were going to go to this remote learning, not only did I know that the students were not going to have the necessary devices in some most schools on the south and west sides, but also the professional development or teachers were not there. You know, most teachers are just um, never, you know, uh, had not had that much uh, training or professional development with these technology devices or, you know, kind of just shifting to a remote learning type of atmosphere. It's just, it's, you know, it's, and, and, I, and I know that people know now that it's a lot more work that's involved than just putting students on the computer and say, hey, go for it. You know? Well, and, and that's really a point because, I mean, I mean, if we look at our two dissertations, you really did look at more of the remote learning aspect of mm-hmm. education, and mine was more on the professional development of education, mm-hmm. whether it was formal or informal. And then uh, this is this is where, you know, Marlo and I will apparently prove that we are smart people talking about this <laughs> stuff here. But Marlo, why don't you give a little background about how that looked for your remote learning and kind of how it relates to there. Maybe I'll throw in a little bit of the professional development. We'll kind of uh, ease into that. From there. Yeah, well, you know, I can talk a little, um, a little bit about my uh, dissertation too. Um, it, I focused on social presence and online learning. So that is how how uh, people perceive themselves to be uh, human as much as possible through whatever type of technology medium that they're using. You know, so we do that. We don't think about these things as much because it kind of comes normal when we're face to face. But, you know, if like I can see you, you know, now because mm-hmm. we're 
video or whatever, but um, you know how uh, our emotions are, how we're getting points across and things like, like we're really in person with one another. So using that, uh, measuring that um, and trying to gauge that with, uh, with teachers um, or educators that have been through a cohort program or whatever and seeing uh, their perceptions of that. So one of the things that came from that was motivation and self-efficacy. And so what I'm seeing in, um, and what I'm listening to and hearing from um, a lot of educators and parents is that um, is more difficult, uh, which my research uh, proved to uh, for students to be motivated. You know, because they, when you go to school, you drop your, your, your child off, or if you're a teacher, you're there, and um, you're standing face-to-face -face with them, giving them instruction. But if a student is at home, and, you know, they're going from their uh, bedroom to the couch, or from the bedroom, or from wherever they are in the home, to now uh, opening up their device, trying to receive some instruction, it's, you have to be a little bit of motivated there, you know, some self-efficacy has to be there so but, that's yeah and I and I believe because you know my, my dissertation which is professional development I also you know had the focus on self-efficacy more and more it was the it was professional development being provided or not provided for mm -hmm. teachers and um Tisha Richmond's podcast Magical Learning I uh, talked about this with Joe uh, Capicchio who wrote Edu Protocols but he talked about you know teachers motivations themselves to seek out technology and use and many times you know it was you know the districts did not provide it or they would throw the devices and you use them I'm just before we closed down the Friday of that, I was there, I'm sorry to say the Friday, the following Monday, I was there in the school getting materials as well as other students were grabbing materials. And we were doing crash courses with technology, me and uh, Kathy Murphy there. And, you know, some were, it wasn't too hard. It was a couple of pointers. And I said, okay, I got this. I understand. And some of them, it was a full on training in an hour to a half an hour just to get things up. I mean, I have to say, I, I've seen interesting professional development, but when you're trying to train a driver's ed teacher, who is also a yeah. health teacher, how to take care yeah. of the learning process, because uh, also at the same time is, you know, he knows new right there as well as the students. They're not going to be jumping in a car right. maybe exactly. home to get their hours right. recording, but that's a whole different story. And let's face it, even right. with social distancing, I could jump in the car and say, okay, we're going to drive to the next town 15 minutes away. I want you to take a left here, right? Okay, let's stop at the McDonald's pick up lunch and then drive exactly. home. You, you've taught them that. Right. You know, at the same time is, you know, the teacher is not sitting and is like, okay, I marked you first. Like, you know, at the next slide, I want to hurt the left. You know, he hits things that parents or guardians or older siblings don't yeah, hit. Absolutely and it, correct. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because one thing, you know, I learned into too was, you know, teachers who wanted the professional development looked for ways to do it. And if it didn't feel mm -hmm. it was important to them, they wouldn't do it. And now here they are where people are. They're on Facebook groups. They're on YouTube. They're, they've yeah. jumped on Twitter talking to, Hey, you teach art and technology. Tell me, or, you know, I'm a social studies teacher and you've written four books about this. Uh, right. Give me a crash course or I'll order your book on Amazon, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and it's, and it's not as easy as it appears, even with all of this information at our fingertips. Um, and we can, you know, we can uh, self-teach ourselves these uh, through video, uh, you know, through YouTube and on other webinars and things like that. But, you know, what I'm, uh, what, what you know and what, and what I know, it's not as easy as it, as it looks. There is a craft and there is some pedagogy around all of this, mm -hmm. you know? 
there is some strategies and procedures around this because even when we, you know, I say about maybe five, seven, you know, years ago, a couple of years ago back um, where a lot of universities were kind of, um, you know, they were, some of their classes was online or whatever, but not a lot. So it has been a learning curve um, from the universities. And I think the universities have got a pretty good hold on it now um, through the years, you know, so now it has to kind of trickle down to K through 12 uh, teachers or whatever. And uh, the tools now, I would I would have to say, are a lot better than... Oh, the, yes. Yeah, starting out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's tricks to them. I mean, Zoom skyrocketed until we had a bunch of, you know, jerks out there decided to start bombing people in the middle uh, yeah. of everything, which, you know, so, you know that, and that turned off some teachers off. But the problem is they couldn't just jump on Google Meet, you know, Google Meet chat because Google Hangouts is being replaced by that because some schools had not flipped the switch for it. And some were very hesitant, like, well, I don't want to turn that on. And the kids are just going to video chat. Like, right. well, they need that interaction. We can't they do it. Do. And that, and that's the yeah. thing you kind of wonder, and it's not that, you know, you don't understand because I have sat on the tech side. I have been that administrator who had to do everything, but I always mm-hmm. was in the interest of what's going to work for the students and the teachers for the learning to happen versus, oh, I'm too worried about this. Yes, there's security issues, which has been proven over the last right. month, mm-hmm. and it's still going to happen, especially mm-hmm. in Google Classroom saying, oh, hey, you know what? We're just going to turn on Meet Chat there. You just click on it. As long as you're in the classroom, you can join it. <laughs> yeah. it. It cut a couple of problems out of there. Yeah, but they're still yeah. bugs. They are yeah. still bugs. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that concerns me as we move forward, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the engagement part, um, the, the level of engagement, because I think that right now is, I mean, you know, teachers, students are trying to get acclimated. Then, you know, there's, um, we all are going through the social distancing and all mm-hmm. of this. It's so new to everyone or whatever, you know, so um, with the school closing like um, now and the students are not going to go back or whatever I think that this is the perfect opportunity for um, I'm hoping that the state will take a long car look which the superintendent of the, the State Board of Education um, for Illinois she said that she would uh, really look at um, and start trying to help close the digital divide right yeah so I I am really, um, you know, happy about that because um, there's a, you know, when you think about as large as Chicago public schools um, are, and Chicago sometimes reported that one in three students only had technology. So that's huge. You know, you're leaving, you know, that's going to be a big learning gap you know, or whatever. And so I, I, I'm concerned about the, the structure of it, you know, with us being instructional technology, uh, educators or whatever, you know, um, I'm hoping that the, uh, uh, this, all of the stakeholders can get together together over the summer and kind of figure out like, okay, now let's really kind of design and let's kind of tweak this a little bit because I don't know um, if the, you know, where, where this is going to lead to, but um, in any case, we're going to have more emergency days, you know, oh, whether yeah. they be- days, you know, cold days or whatever, you know, we're going to have more of these remote uh, e-learning days. And so um, I would like to see it structured a little bit better where students are actually getting instruction 
and where it's a little bit monitored better and the interactivity um, is increased or whatever. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Cause I mean, I know my superintendent threw out a statistical thing on one of his many emails this week. You know, he's been emailing us most since we got done here. But you know, I think they statistically looked at a lot of schools and I think um, for engagement or use of learning, I think it was anywhere between, you know, perfectly you said, well, t you know, kids one and three not having access to technology and everything. Yeah. And many schools, both rural, because I'm in rural and I've seen some larger city ones and mm -hmm. I've checked my Twitters and my edgy techs and they're thinking about 63 to maybe 75% are there, which is not bad. But then you, it depends on the districts. Like a friend of mine I used to work with, she said herself, you know, their technology is very limited, even though they have it. They're a very, very small school, even though it's because mm -hmm. it's a small area. And mm -hmm. she said herself, they tried doing the Chromebooks, but they completely matched it. But at the same time is those kids are probably were even more reduced, maybe about 20 to 30 percent or yeah. having access to technology. And I mean, we've talked about the digital divide even during our graduate work here. And yeah, we did. We I, did. I, think, I think what this is also doing, I mean, we'll talk about what it'll future hold, but I think this has really opened a lot of people's eyes that not everybody has access to technology, not everybody right. can get to a hot spot. I mean, right. I have students that do not live in an apartment, do not live in an, even a duplex, they do live in a trailer. And yeah, some people are like, well, yeah, they have computers and they have them like, mm -hmm. does not mean they have access. And some people thought, well, there'll be public accesses like McDonald's or Burger King yeah, or the library. Right. Well, guess what? They had to shut down too. Right. <laughs> they're closed. Exactly. So like, yeah, just because I can order Jersey mics on my phone doesn't mean I'm going to sit outside there in my parking car. It's like, okay, I'm going to bum their Wi-Fi. I'm pretty sure I'll have a guy knock on my door and be like, get out of here. <laughs> but you know what, Abby? Actually, some, I mean, that was working, you know, the, I think like the first couple of days because like CPS system is all set up like teachers can't even access their personal uh, information. You have to be connected to the uh, the, the district's uh, website. Um, yes, very true. Like, yeah, internet or whatever. So a lot of people were sitting outside the schools and trying to gain the access that way or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, this is, I think this is a perfect opportunity for, you know, um, education to be kind of redesigned in a way to to fit online learning, you know, and there's a lot of opportunity and growth here or whatever. And I'm excited about, you know, um, you know, as far as, as our, uh, you know, our specific area, I'm just excited about uh, the opportunities that it presents that we can really, you know, do something great here, you know, in this particular time. Yeah, and even Dave Burgess said too about looking at the opportunities that this has had brought up to you. I mean, I'm doing do the summer leadership here. I know this is going to be the number one subject. There's other ones on there too, mm -hmm. but I know this is going to be number one. Where are we going? Because, you know, like many, I mean, I know several districts that once the school year is, we're going to say, we don't need instructional technology coaches. We need to focus on reading instructional coaches. Right. And, and now some of those districts are like, you know what? Maybe that might not be such a good idea to just cut those people out versus well we have the money we can pay them we just won't hire x y and z or we'll break these people down but yeah. you know going future i mean we we both worked in private and public and i've done charter you know i was associated at one point with distinctive schools which was out of chicago how do you believe this is going to affect the school culture both for teachers and students and probably and definitely administrators and stakeholders going forward well, well, you know, I've done, yeah, I've done a lot of, um, you know, seminars and professional developments and things like that myself, where um, most of the teachers that with the students that I serve is a little apprehensive about technology or whatever, and some still are, you know, um, some are TP educators are 
are terrified of, of the way this transition is going on or whatever, not to mention the whole trauma behind, you know, uh, going through this whole pandemic, you know, the way that we are going. So it's traumatic for everyone, you know, but um, I think that the more we embrace technology and the more that we come up with real strategies um, that include really that kind of streamlines the uh, content areas in a way that uh, technology is enhancing more than just using the technology tool itself to really provide the instruction, but we're actually really integrating all of it together. So I think that that will have the most impact where, you know, uh, reading teachers, I mean, you, you can, students can still get the knowledge and the instruction from a reading teacher doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, um, technology expert or whatever, you know, they're the reading teacher, but they're using learning how to use these strategies to incorporate technology a little bit better. And that just goes across all the subjects or whatever, you know, not to mention the hardcore technology curriculums like, you know, computer science, AI, virtual reality, right. all of that, you know, because, um, you know, and even with that, that, you know, students and teachers learn the basic bare minimums of how to use these functionalities and tools within the technology. And then I think that that will make the curriculum, uh, whether it be reading, social studies or science, I think that it would just enhance it more. Because as we know from our first class, you know, technology, <laughs> technology is a tool. That right. Is, you know. So I think that, you know, this whole going like strictly online, I that would frighten anybody, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I, you know, and I, it's the difference between, you know, a whole in, uh, course provided being online opposed to like a whole blended approach where you're bringing in different content areas and you're using the technology to enhance the instruction opposed to just, you know, uh, you know, just utilizing the technology period. So that's where I kind of see, you know, the, uh, the future going as far as like remote learning and distant learning, you know, um, just a more streamlined process with more of how to use best practices when engaging online and just a, a, a more integrated uh, format where all of the content areas are kind of included. Right. And like I said, I've been the districts where they have absolutely no pens. They say, we're all going to get Chromebooks. We're all going to get Surface yeah. Pros. We're going to go get iPads and we'll just work on it. And sometimes that does work. And mm -hmm. sometimes they have ones where it's just so minute. I mean, they've got, you know, a bullet point underneath two other bullet points saying, well, if X, Y, Z happens, then I got ABC. And if ABC don't work, you got DEF and they keep going. And then you've had somewhere, you know, you, you have a full where everybody's brought into it. And there's somewhere it's not been considered important or they don't see as relevant. Like, you know, I, I mean, and I don't disagree because I know there are some schools and I agree. I was one of those students where math was a very hard and scary subject for me. Yeah. And I use it the way I did. I had a classmate that was on Facebook saying, okay, apparently all those things I made fun of of geometry have <laughs> now used because I'm teaching my own three kids. How to right. How to do geometry. And I think it's just being comfortable. You know, you, mm -hmm. you it's a place where there's a comfort level because most teachers are just comfortable standing in front of us or, or being in a classroom physically, you know? Um, so I think that the, the comfort level also has to be there.
you know, for teachers and, and students to be uh, motivated. But I, again, um, and I'm going to keep throwing those two words out there, mo that motivation and self-efficacy, because I just really think that, uh, well, not that I think, but I, I the research, you know, has shown that uh, that motivation is definitely a factor, you know, and motivation, whether it's self-motivation or uh, like you said, parents have to, even teachers, now they have to kind of educate their own uh children, you know, and so I'm finding it difficult because, um, you know, it's, it's harder to teach your own child. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. Oh, trust me. I, I, I mean, with they my son, I mean, mommy and daddy, or, you know, you don't know anything. My teacher knows it all. And it's like, I had to tell my daughter, like, I'm a teacher too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and that's, it's always the, even before computers were more constant, you know, I had plenty of friends, their parents were teachers and they're still teachers. Yeah. And I have plenty of friends that became teachers and they have teenage and grade school and they have a couple of kids that are scary enough as in college, which definitely dates my age. But, um, you know, <laughs> at the same time is, you know, it's like my own son, it's like, we go through things and he knows how, oh, yeah, I'm getting a reflux. I can do spark read, but then it's constantly like, yeah, the internet's not connection. And I'm like, how many times have I told you the way right. book is done? <laughs> Click on the logo. I mean, but yeah, he can go on the TV and get on YouTube or Netflix or now Disney Plus and it's done. But yeah, no, just tell him to click on the Wi-Fi logo right. here and then just select the, you know, Wi-Fi name that, you know, I set up at the, at my house and he's like, huh? And I'm like doing it. And sometimes I'm like, okay, no, what's the second step? He looks at me yeah. like, remember, it's like, okay, you know, your teacher does this at school and you got that flying <laughs> easily. But I tell you, and it's like, huh, what, 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 dad? Oh, no, you don't know anything. Yeah, dad. they don't I mean, see what, no, you're, you're not, you're, you're not a teacher. You're, you're not someone that just, you know, uh, defended his dissertation. No, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's funny because we do this in students too, where, you know, the students are like, well, this isn't working. I'm like, well, did you watch the video? No. Did you read the directions? No, I kind of zoned out. I'm like, well, then why are you trying to do this? Well, I thought I could. I'm like, but, but I'm not saying, I, and they're like, well, you always have to say you're smart in rooms. Like, no, I said I'm more experienced in the room. And one of my jobs is to teach you so you're more experienced. But I said, I was the kid who actually re read the video game instructions before I popped it in my <laughs> Nintendo and played the game. Some people looked at me like, did? I'm like, still I had to learn. Yeah. But at the same time, as I want to know what the basic functions are. Hey, we have a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I have the classic download, but sometimes I have to look online and say, okay, what buttons actually do what? Because this is a whole exactly. different controller. This game was out 30 years ago. Um, and see, and see that's why we're instructional technologists. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we are going to read those instructions and we are going to fit, you know, go step by step on how to do the functionalities, you know, with these tools or whatever. And, you know, and I think that that's the, the key there, you know, and moving forward, you know, that um, I'm, I'm hoping that the educational world, so to speak, you know, uh, tend to lean on us a little bit more, you know, especially um, as we are all getting through this uh, rough time. So um, I, I think that just trying to make people feel comfortable using the uh, expertise uh, when it's called for, and then just streamlining those uh, integrated areas, all of the curriculum areas, you know, where, where it needs to be, where students are receiving, you know, um, you know, instruction. And it's hard during this time because, of course, we're, work, we're working around trauma and students are not used to being at home all the time. And, 
you know, so um, when we're done, I'm going to take my daughter out for a walk because it's so nice outside. You right. know, it's trying to find that balance, you know, with 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 everyone, with myself, with her. So it's, it's difficult. But I think that as we move forward and we try to structure this, um, the remote learning and um, where it's more learning instead of just in enrichment um, activities and where we're not so um, apprehensive to uh, using the tools and we are better with using them. I think that um, it will be more of a blended approach, you know, um, right. not strictly online, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of a blended approach to learning. Yeah, and that's really where we're going. I mean, there's some classrooms, you know, are flip. I said, but you got to go from flip to blended. I mean, in several years ago, flip was the way to go. I know I was involved with a couple of initiatives when I was at Christian Life. And now when I came to Stillman, we went more blended. And I feel now it's been very blended. And I've seen yeah. the difference. And I even joke saying I had more work turned in being online learning versus when I was in the classroom and then yeah. some of it kind of streamlined, which is funny, but some are there in more of a comfort zone and some they're in a less comfort zone because let's face it, some students do not have a great home life or do not, or there's five of them and they have one Chromebook or I one computer. That. I have a student. She is the youngest of three kids. They're mm -hmm. all in high school and middle school and she's the older one, but okay. granted, you know, the brother's got to do his freshman work, but looks different than a junior in high school. And then the younger sister, who is a seventh grader, looks a hundred percent different. And it's like, well, and dad's got to work on his computer. Right. And, yeah. And it's different from him. Cause I know there are a lot of, you know, I have a lot of friends too. They remote learn, but at the same time is they're like, I feel more comfortable at my office. I feel I'm too distracted or also the dog's like, Hey, I got to go out now cause you're home. Yeah. I, mean, I know my dog jumps on us cause she loves the fact that we're home. But at the same time, we're like, Willow, <laughs> Please we gotta stop. Work. We, right. I, I, this is work time, and you know sometimes she'll sit down there and like, okay, you work. I'll sit. I'll sit here. But you know it is a comfort and engagement, and but it's a big as a balance. Some people thought like, well, the difference here is despite being home, just think of it like the summer. You know, yeah, if you're a teacher, yeah, you do your playing, you do your relax. But I said, yeah, but even in the summer, you have activities, you have places yeah, to it's, go. It's a, time, it's a time management piece in there, you know, and and I and I think that that's what we're because it's hard for me, you know, like. Like you said your dog is you know yes. you know the 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 uh the space and and time and and neither does my daughter or sometimes me because you know my whole uh I'm just off you know because it's, it's difficult going from your bed to you know now going to like your kitchen or living room or whatever mm -hmm. to work and you know it's just it's just difficult and I think that there has to be some time management planning, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where there's like set, you know, times and spaces and things like that. So I try to have my daughter, I try to get us up into a routine where she's in her space and I'm in my space and she's, I'm working and she's learning and, you know, she needs help then I can come do that. But I think that that um, is important, especially um, as we're trying to get through this time, you know, um, so that also, there's just so many factors that's going to play into this. It's just, um, you know, I, you know, I, it's frustrating at times and, um, you know, but I think that the more we talk about it as a community of educators and we start figuring out, you know, the different challenges and um, the best practices that's happening, you know, across the nation or whatever. I think that, um, like I said, I, I think that it would, 
people will start feeling more comfortable, you know, in this approach and this new learning style or whatever, you know, and um, maybe your dog could, you know, uh, learn <laughs> how to, you know, be quiet while we're, you're giving these, uh, you know, webinars, doing your podcast or whatever. And, you know, I just think that everything, you know, will eventually come together at some point, you know, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, and then like I said, we'll have the new normal, as they say. The new normal. I hate going to that word. You know, I, you know, I. It's the buzzword. It is the buzzword, and I, you know, it's just the new normal, and then it's like, you know, I don't have another t type of word for it. But <laughs> my I, life has never been normal. <laughs> 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 Even getting here to this, you know, this this doctorate was not normal maybe the timeline was long which they always say like yeah. and you'll be in school for 50 years i'm like yeah true and then sometimes people uh, it wasn't that years. long was it no for me it was eight not, for me it was eight years uh, eight years yeah but that's also through three job unemployments and other issues i hear you yeah you know um yeah and and during this time too we have to talk about because as you're mentioning that the unemployment I've experienced that, um, but um, I just graduated when my mom had passed um, about mm -hmm. a year ago after that. So, um, you know, even as we're going through this whole pandemic, we're, we're still dealing with trauma and we're trying to work around these other life challenges that we have or whatever. And this, um, and it's difficult. And I was hearing uh, people, uh, some educators say that we need to have patience and, you know, uh, with students and parents and things like that. So I'm hoping to see too, you know, as much as, you know, we want students to be learning that it's, uh, you know, we, we have to take time out to um, know where they're at, you know, and make them feel, uh, um, you know, to help them through any type of trauma that they're going through or whatever. And um, just, you know, we had grades to come out too on this week. I think yesterday teachers had to put in grades. And so yeah. there was a little bit of conflict about that, you know, where some, most of the state, um, well, they recommended pass fail or whatever and not letter grades, but, um, you know, the district, Chicago Public School District um, was still requiring for letter grades. So, um, you know, I'm kind of with the pass fail uh, because you can't really, you know, hold students accountable or people accountable during this time or whatever. You know, it's difficult, you know, and I don't think that they are, um, it, it's to what I understand that the grades can only improve a student. It right. Can, that's why we are under the impression improve or incomplete. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so from that aspect, yeah, you know, some parents, some people were still upset that they are still receiving a letter grade instead of a pass fail, you know, and then there's this whole conversation around where sh should students be held back a year or should they be promoted to the next year, you know, coming into the next school year. And so I think a few uh, governors are deciding whether to hold students back you know one governor did say that he was gonna they were gonna hold right back. yeah you know so um i don't as a parent i'm i'm kind of stuck with that you know um i do know that because my daughter has an iep right and, just like and, mine yeah and and it's difficult because i know she's not even receiving the same type of um you know uh the one-on-one -on -one that she was receiving at school you know even though i'm here mm. you know but um it's still not at the same level that she was receiving so she's probably going to regress back 
you know, a little bit, a few months or whatever. Plus we had the whole student, uh, the teacher strike or whatever. Oh yeah. You had that. We didn't, you know, we didn't yeah. run into that and that happened. That when, and I, I mean, we can't throw it at Dustin Chicago. There were other States where that exactly happened too. And I know there was one talk, I think it was out of Kansas and they had a strike and they were not a big district, but that set back themselves by four weeks. Right. You know, so, but the, and then, you know, so then with this whole, you know, uh, we're out these last couple of months of school. So of course it's going to hurt her and it's going to hurt a lot of other students. So as a parent, do I feel like she should be held back this year to, cause she's in fourth grade or right. she be promoted, you know? So I'm still kind of pondering that myself as I, um, you know, to, I'm trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what's best or whatever, you know, and many parents are, you know, because we are, you know, educators, are parents as well, like we discussed earlier. And so it's, you know, a lot of students can't go on prom. They can't, nope. um, they're or they're very delayed and that's yeah, going to delayed too. Yeah, even with you, your graduation is it's August. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and I know that this is a very big accomplishment for you, uh, which it should be, but you know, also students that are, you know, graduating from high school, graduating from, you know, from from whatever type of um a, you know, uh, educational program. It's significant, you know, to them and should be celebrated. But I just can't imagine the, you know, how some of these students are feeling right now, you yeah, know. And, yeah, and I have no idea. I mean, our neighbor right here, she's one of the seniors here. I know it's here. They had, you know, like many other schools, got to the, you know, football stadium, did the lights, you know, social distance. Yeah. But it's really hard. And I know some of us came down who were posting pictures from our high school graduations, which was to make people laugh and to enjoy it. And that, kind of went both ways too so you know at the same time but you know sometime like yeah august but at the same time after i've gone all through this and everything else you know i i, I mean i i'm definitely not in their shoes but part of me is like you know i feel like i just went all this i've never had actually a may graduation from college with any of my degrees they were always december um, and i just kind of went to like yeah it's in august but it's like well so much for that and a part of me kind of went you know like kind of had a plan and I was hoping to do this and that's kind of gone out the door too. So yeah, why I can't, I mean, that's a milestone. It's a big milestone. It is. It is. And a lot of students are feeling that way. So when we think about engaging them online too, we have to be, you know, understanding of that and, and patient and, um, you know, not making it so rigorous, you know, right mm -hmm. now, you know, especially when everyone is trying to get, you know, just acclimated to this whole process. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to have um, a little bit more patience and understanding uh, for myself and for my daughter and for, you know, other students that I come in contact with, you know, and just people in general, you know, yeah. it's just a tough time for everyone, yeah. you know, but I'm hoping that, you know, uh, at the same time that this, you know, technology uh, and how we embrace it and how we move forward with it, it's a very exciting time, you know, um, for us to even uh, redesign and, and rethink of how we're going to do learning uh, as we move forward, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a great time for, for educators um, and people to, dis, you know, discuss and, and bring parents involved because, you know, as we move forward, parents are going to be more of a front person, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. in students' education, like they haven't been before. I know when I was in school, like, 
uh, you know, a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. When I was in elementary school or whatever, you know, I would just come home with my homework. And, you know, up until like recently now, I think that that was the way that uh, parents were kind of engaging, like students would go to school, then uh, students would come home with their work, parents would help them or whatever, and then they would just go back to school. Now it's just like the parents almost have to be just as much as engaged as the students are, mm-hmm. you know, in helping them through some of this or whatever. And and maybe the way to go, a lot of uh, teachers, I was on a call with parents, um, a webinar uh uh, a couple of days ago, and a lot of people, uh, parents and educators are considering project-based learning, yeah. you know, considering uh, CTE, you know, um, and this project-based learning. So I think that um, as we look for, you know, going forward, that that's one of the things too, having students kind of work on more project-based, you know, and more practical things because some students are just not going to, you know, don't show an interest in higher education, you know, and going through career technical education may be the way to go. Right. You know, especially when we move into um, all of these different, you can't do anything. I have a career these days or being in the any industry without having some type of technology influenced by it or whatever, you know, so if you're going to be a barber, if you're going to be a hairdresser, if you're going to be a a chef, you know, if you're going to work on cars, a mechanic or whatever, you still need these basic fundamental technology uh, skills or whatever, you know, so having some type of career technical education, um, I know was floating around there and more project-based learning. You know, and we were thinking in terms of, um, you know, ha- have you uh, had the, seen the projects that Museum of Science and Industry offers? Oh, yes. Kits? Yeah. And so students would kind of get these um, kits and, you know, a teacher would kind of uh, provide that uh, direct instruction or make a model with them, you know, and using these different type of kits. I mean, and you've seen them. I mean, oh, they, yeah. And I've used yeah, like, a couple for programming, like making yeah. makeup. So for same thing yeah. with my entrepreneurship class, you know, I'm just finiting their last little thing is these next two weeks is like, I want you to get all this business plan in the legal mar- margins. We're going to learn the presentation digitally. We're still going to finish this up in a few weeks, but you know, it's a yeah. little different, but usually that's a very hands-on where it's like, I can't create your business, but at the same time, it has to be a function, but don't say, Hey, we're going to earn $3 million. Like, where's that coming from? Where is it coming right from? now? You're in a classroom and right. this has been a fantastic time for opportunity for tons of kids. I mean, there's 14 year olds who made, I'm sorry, there's a 12 year old who made an app about how are you social distancing or are you doing thing with the app? And he just used location and alert in minor coding. But I mean, right there was entrepreneur and he threw that out and it's huge, you know, but he only could do so much because of, you know, the COVID-19 they're being very careful right. with app stores for both Google and Apple and windows. So, you know, it, yeah. it is a time where it's a more hands-on or as one, one teacher said, you know, I love seeing my daughters cause they're learning to bake. They're creating this. They're exactly. doing more learning than a classroom. And he said, the only difference is now I'm going to have to hit the gym when it officially reopens <laughs> or join right. a digital, digital. Like, Gen oh yeah. And I'm on with Genvers. I mean, I've dropped, you know, I've dropped down to the 198. go me. But at the same time is oh. also wants to go like, yeah, but I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Go a little further, <laughs> but I only can work with what I have at home. I, but I, I the motivator, like Jen. 
see i hear you and you know and, and that that it comes to you know innovation you know and having students be more creative and innovative you know taking what they're learning and making you know different projects and using these hands-on uh tools and things like that to be innovative and i think that um that may be something that uh great that will come out of you know, all of this, that it pushes more students to be more innovative because, you know, when you're in the classroom, you're kind of, um, you know, it, it's limiting in a way, you know, but now that students are kind of at home and they can explore these different types of um, learning styles and they can get on a computer and or they can learn whatever type of curriculum they choose to learn and they become more innovative and creative doing that, you know. You know, but I there's also this saying, and I know you've heard it, that you have to uh, Maslow before you can bloom. You oh, know, yes. Being said, I've even know, talked to the authors who do that. <laughs> yes, you know, so um, maybe in, you know, just taking that whole concept and and working on that, because I know at the end of uh, Blooms is this whole creative type of, you know, everybody's trying to get to this creative level and mm -hmm. innovative level, you know, so if we can, um, you know, get students to that level i think that that would be awesome during you know uh distance and remote learning or you know what i want to see in the future more called blended learning yeah you know <laughs> instead of you know um remote learning or whatever and we're taking these i think that we are it's going to be some days we're going to have to have uh remote learning strictly or whatever but i'm i'm kind of wanting to see that uh blended approach where you know, students are kind of working on, you know, these projects or, you know, kind of like a capstone experience. You yeah, there'd be, be, yeah. be a good example. Yeah, even in how they're grading and how they're, you know, I, that, that's how I'm kind of envisioning it, you know. And I think that when you do project-based learning, that's where the motivation, the, the self-motivation comes in at, you know, where students are excited about completing a certain step in their project or whatever, you know. I mean, I, you know, I think that um, if we look at it from that point of view, I think students and teachers would do fine, you know, and in and, and providing, of course, the professional, ongoing professional development with teachers or whatever, yeah. you know, um, I don't think that teachers, I, I'm hoping that teachers will be less apprehensive in utilizing uh, these tools, because not only that, I've heard that teachers have been having difficulty just with trying to, uh, you know, their technology is breaking down or it's not working or whatever. So that has to be kind of figured out too as we move forward. How are we going to get, you know, uh, the technology that's not working, working, you know, to work, you know? Yeah. going to be, you know, uh, technicians, you know, I'm quite sure, well, uh, CPS has a call-in number where if you're having problems and they walk you through it or whatever. But the problems with that is that, you know, teachers do not know all of those technical terms. Nope, you know? and that throws them. Yeah, you know, like, well, what are you talking about if I do this? So it just frustrates them even more, you know, and then they throw their hands up and they're like, oh, you know. Yeah, I, and I'll throw a best example. I had a, I had a teacher to ask me, like, yeah, he was something about connecting SSID. What is that? I said, that that's Skyward. That's a student identification. And they went, 
Oh, yeah. like when I worked in that, when I used eSchool, that's, I'm like, yes, like there's local management systems like Google Classroom or Schoology or Edmodo. And then what's, what are the grades going on? How do people really communicate all that stuff? That's the system, you know? That, yeah. That, and, and they don't know those terms. They just said, well, it's a digital classroom. Yes, but it's an actual term is LMS. And like, well, I, <laughs> I message, I don't use your mind. I message people through Skyward like that is your SSID. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is a perfect opportunity for people in our field because we are those, I, I think when we took the first class that they were saying, we are the liaison, mm -hmm. you know, people to go, uh, cause we understand the technology and the terms and, uh, where, you know, we kind of are in the middle, you know, and can, uh, help both sides or whatever. So I'm, I'm hoping to see, you know, uh, them utilize, uh, you know, people from our area in a more, uh, you know, prominent way when it comes to designing, you know, this new type of way of learning of whatever. Yeah, you know? and, I, and hopefully going forward, that's what we're going to do because, it, like I said, we'll, we'll see where we are when this is all over or, and yeah. so forth because, you know, we're going to be dealing with it whether, you know, school starts on time or or not. You know, it's going to, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wait and see. And it is. Handle it is. the best we can. Yeah, it is. Marlo, is there anything else you would like to add to the uh, podcast here today? No, I completely enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so great to talk to you um, because I don't think that we kind of really got into like an educational uh, discussion like no or in school you know no we're... I think I think we talked either about assignments where we talked about raising kids and other things yeah <laughs> you know as I say life happens something I I'm, I was saying on my blog today I missed the interaction with my you know with my you know co-workers and staff members because we would talk and so forth and you know I know my division leader you know and we, her and I talk as we teach the same class so we make sure we bounce it but at the same time it's like I just miss having a nice regular conversation over hot chocolate we're talking about PLCs I miss just stopping by the math teachers and saying hey Eric Devin how you doing or you know say I'm having a day Andy I can I just use you as a sounding board it's like yeah, sit down and let's talk you know tell me what's on your mind what's driving you insane yeah, kind of just a debriefing you know yeah and debriefing you know and every, you know every profession needs that you know yeah. well, and like especially it. teachers <laughs> and i think that just goes right into it, the interaction that's something we're missing and everything it, it so is i agree and yeah. marl how can people uh connect with you outside of the uh, google classroom here yes yeah, so um i'll share my personal uh email it's marlo m-a-r-l-o barnett b-a-r-n-e-t-t three nine at gmail.com i'm also like i mentioned earlier the uh vice president for computer science for illinois so if they wanted to contact me there that is vice president at cs4il.org um, and also, I am the vice president for CSTA Chicago. Uh, so if they want to just do a Google search and um, sign up for the listserv for uh, CSTA Chicago, they can do that and I'm reachable through there. All right. And I'll have that definitely on the show notes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if everybody else would like to listen more or learn from the Pixel Classroom podcast, remember we are on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Breaker Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Overcast. And you also can copy the RSS feed right to your device. And if you want to hear more, please think of subscribing and please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And I want to thank you again, listeners. And I will talk to you later on the Pixel Classroom podcast. Bye.